Welcome to Life Over Coffee. I'm Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. This is episode 192, and I want to give you 16 questions so that you can examine yourself. I want you to examine yourself in a specific area. And let me go ahead and give you a warning. Before I give you the area to self-assess, don't turn me off after you hear it because it will benefit you. I want to talk about your money. This is episode 192. The title of it is 16 Questions to Examine Your Generosity. I'm not a fan of the tithe, tithing language in our Christian culture because the Bible does not teach that Christians should give 10% of their income. But how do you know if a person is a generous giver? I have 16 questions that will aid, it will help you to examine where you stand with money. I would encourage you to go to this podcast and and read the show notes. I was going to say listen to the show notes, but read the show notes that I have for you. Episode 192 under the Life Over Coffee podcast. This would be outstanding to get together and talk with someone. I think we're not supposed to talk about religion, politics, and and money, but that's really a bogus notion, and it is a super bad idea for believers if we can't talk about religion, politics, and money. We must. Money is vital to live in this world, and how we steward money is critical, and we need to be talking about it. So perhaps you could take this episode uh, to another person, another individual. Maybe you can take it to a small group. Perhaps you can talk within your family. You could turn all this around and think about it this way. If you can't or if you are unwilling to talk about this idea of money with another person in a humble and transparent way, then you have a problem. You have a problem. One of the side effects or one of the byproducts of the gospel is that we have nothing to fear, nothing to hide, nothing to protect. We are the freest people in the world because our greatest problem in life was resolved at the cross. And so if there are inhibitions about things that there shouldn't be inhibitions about, then that points to a problem in our hearts and we need to deal with that. Now, money should be one of the things that you are willing to discuss with the appropriate people in the appropriate setting. And that's why I have these 16 questions for you because they are appropriate questions. You need to find the appropriate people to have the appropriate conversation. Now, if you want to do more with this idea of money and stewardship, I have three other articles here that will serve you well. One of them is called His Money, Her Money Does Not Make Biblical Common Sense. I have heard this tension virtually all of my Christian life where someone inevitably will come and ask this question, is it okay to have his money, her money? And they don't mean it in the sense that, you know, she has freedom to spend on certain things and you have freedom to spend on certain things. That's a wonderful idea. But I'm talking about a strong line that you cannot transgress within the marriage where it is truly his money and she has her money and the two never meet. 
That does not make biblical common sense. That is not the idea of one flesh that Paul was teaching in the New Testament, and so you may want to read that article. I also have another one titled here, Guidelines for Making Decisions as a Couple. This is an excellent, not just an addendum article, but an important article to incorporate in this discussion because you can't separate the one flesh. You, you shouldn't be separating money into his money, her money, and therefore you must come together and be able to make decisions as a couple. And then I have another one in the, in the realm of stewardship, and it's nine tips for managing your time and calendar. Because having problems with money is not a compartmentalized or isolated thing. Sin's not that way. And if you have a sin problem with money, guess what? It's going to leak out on you and it's going to leak into other categories of your life, other spheres of your life. And a money problem, a lack of generosity or a lack of self-control when it comes to money, well, that will bleed out into your time and the way you steward your time the way you steward your tongue, the way you steward your relationships, the way you steward your private life, etc., etc., etc. Sin does not isolate. Sin wants to dominate every area of your life. And so I have an article here titled Nine Tips for Managing Your Time and Calendar. I also have added some verses here that you can read. Now, what I would encourage you to do is you can do a Google search and say Bible verses on money. Bible verses on finances, and it will you will find verses, hundreds of them in the Bible, and I'm not listing hundreds of them here, but just a few that you can read, 2 Corinthians 9, Galatians 6, 2 Corinthians 8, and I would encourage you to read these verses here, but also read more. Spend some time thinking about this idea of money, and then by all means, examine your generosity. Are you a generous person? So let me get into these 16 questions. They're all in the show notes here. Episode 192, first question, or the first. Actually, this is not a question. Maybe I need to turn this around and make it a question. This is more of a statement. It's not my money. That's the statement. Or maybe I should, to make it a question, so that I do have 16 questions here, do you believe that your money is your money? The way that I think about this is I give myself a job title. I like doing that when I think about different areas of my life as a job title, as a responsibility. And one of the ways that I do this as a thinking about the idea of finances is I say it this way. I am a business manager for God. Now, I have actually said that to a few individuals in my life. For example, I was in one of those sales opportunities a couple of decades ago, I suppose, and this guy was, he was putting the squeeze on me. He was putting the hard sell on me and it wasn't working, so he brought in the closer. And you know the closer, I mean, you think it was a hard sell until the closer comes and, and he's really standing on you to, to close this deal and to get you to spend money. And I, I finally told him that it's not my money. You have to understand, I am a business manager for God. It's not mine. It is his. I am to steward what he gives me. And as I'm factoring in what you are saying to me now and what you want me to do, I don't think that this would be a good business decision as I represent he who owns uh, the cattle on a thousand hills. 
And he's given me a little bit. He's given me part of a cow, a hind quarter, maybe a hoof, and that's my job. Uh, I'm stewarding that hoof that he has given me out of this thousand cattle, and I'm not going to I'm not going to trade in my hoof for what you're trying to to sell me. And so one of the ways that I think about it, and it has helped me to think about the idea of money. I'm a business manager for God. Every dime you own, and all the pennies as well. They're not yours. They are his. How are you stewarding? How are you stewarding the money that God gives you? Do you believe it's your money? Question number two, am I a, am I a generous person? Which implies money, but also my time and gift mix. Everybody has a gift mix. You have skills that the Lord has given to you. And so this is what I was talking about earlier, like that, you know, sin's like a cancer, that it, it transgresses all lines, it, it gets into all compartments of your life, not just the financial compartments. And so one of the ways that you can examine this idea of generosity is ask yourself, are you a generous person? And you can think about it in the money realm, but I also want you to go to the other departments in your life and look at your skills. How has God gifted you, and are you using those skills according to the gospel? And what I mean by according to the gospel is that it has an outward focus, not an inward focus. You are giving to others with whatever the skills that God has given to you. For God so loved the world that he gave. You you sense the direction. You feel the direction of the gospel, always going in an other-centered direction. I'm asking the question, are you a generous person? Not just with your money, not just with your skills, but things like your communication. Are you generous with your communication? Meaning you're not passive, you're not quiet, you're not the silent partner, but you talk. You talk to your spouse, you talk to your children, you talk to your parents, you talk to your friends. I'm not talking about being a, a talking head, but you are generous with your words. You build up people, you also confront people when they need confrontation. Are you a generous person? Question number three, is my current reduced giving a seasonal thing or a long time, a long time pattern in my life? Understanding that there are seasons in your life, it's, I call it the Joseph principle, where there are seven years of plenty and seven years of famish, and many of our lives go just that way. We have good times and we have bad times, and that is quite normal. There are times when things are tough, but is there a systemic problem with a lack of giving or reduced giving? And so I wouldn't want somebody to beat themselves up because they're going through a season where they can't give like they used to give. Is that a seasonal thing? Or as you look in the rearview mirror, do you see a long-term systemic problem? And it's not so much about seasonal reduced giving, but this is a pattern in your life. Question number four. Would others characterize you as a generous giver of money? Now, this is a little bit tricky, and I know some of you would say, well, am I supposed to advertise? Am I supposed to stand on the street corner and, and let everyone know what I am doing? No, you, you don't do that, and I'm not saying that. But others are aware you should be in relationship with people to where they can perceive in a charitable way. I'm not talking about harsh judgments and uncharitable judging, but would they say that you are more of a selfless person or a selfish 
person. So you're not standing on a street corner and you're letting everybody know what you have you just accomplished, what you just did with your money. But would others characterize you as a generous giver as money uh, of money? Question number five, are there inconsistencies in your financial stewardship? Like you're paying a lot for mobile phone plans. You're paying a lot for cable plans. You have car, a car that is more expensive, or you have too many cars, or you have too many of something else, while you're not willing to be generous with the Lord's money toward the church and other organizations. Inconsistencies in financial stewardship. We do financial counseling, and I've, I've done this for years with, with individuals and couples, and I remember a, a long time ago, a couple came to me, and they were struggling financially, and so... That was the reason for them coming to me, and so that was the point of focus. And as you might imagine, there were other areas where they were sloppy too. They were poor stewards. They were poor stewards of their relationship. They were poor stewards of their parenting. They were poor stewards of their communication. But we were here talking about their finances, and so I asked them to give me a budget. And that means how much money do you have coming in? Just a very basic, how much money comes in every week, every month into your home? And then give me a detailed list of what you are spending. And they were spending like $200 on cable and they were in debt on some areas and they couldn't pay down even small debts. And it was a simple thing to unplug the cable. They wouldn't do that. The man could not let go of, I'm sorry, I said that the wrong way. I, I said he could not let go. I was going to say he could not let go of ESPN, but the truth is he could let go. The, the real way of stating that is he would not let go of ESPN. And so he was going to pay $200 a month for this crazy cable bill while he had other things that he needed to pay down and take care of. So the question is, number five, are there inconsistencies in my financial stewardship? Number six, am I teaching our children about generosity? One of the things about children is that they, they catch more of what we are than what we teach. It's just the way it is. This is why we talk about modeling the gospel. You want to model the gospel before you teach the gospel, or as you are teaching the gospel. Modeling must precede teaching, or your teaching will be disqualified. They will not accept it. Are you teaching your children about generosity, remembering that they will catch more of who you are than what you teach? They will either model your life, or they re will react to it by choosing another way to live differently from you, whether that way is right or wrong, morally speaking. So question number six, am I teaching our children, your children, about generosity, remembering that they catch more through your lifestyle than you, you teach? And so when I say teaching, I'm really talking about in this question is, is your modeling of generosity. Number seven, if Jesus perused your spending, what would he conclude? Now, that's a theoretical question, and you can make up your answer here and say anything that you want to, and I understand. How about this? Would you give your income and expense report to someone to study and to give feedback on what they observe? You remember that idea about the gospel? We have nothing to fear, nothing to hide, nothing to pr protect. 
because the gospel has solved our biggest problem in life. There's nothing more significant than the fact of eternity in hell, and there's a solution in the gospel where we can go to heaven through regeneration, being born again. And when God resolves that problem, everything else is less than that. And so are you tentative, inhibited about showing someone, the appropriate person, your income and your expenses? I don't want to go Christianese on you and just give you this theoretical spiritual idea. Well, if Jesus perused my spending, what would he conclude? And then I give the answer to this hypothetical that could never happen. How about more transparently? Will you give your income and expenses to someone to study and give feedback? Number eight, do I know the difference between needs and desires? And are there a few desires that I could cut out of the budget? You remember the ESPN illustration that I gave? If you go back to question number seven here, would I give my income and expenses to someone and let them speak into that? needs versus desires. Now, I don't want you to feel guilty because you have three dresses and there's someone in a third world country who is picking up scraps, cloth on the street and sewing something together and that's all that they have. No, don't feel guilty because of that. Paul talks about the blessing of living in abundance, and there's nothing wrong with living in abundance. But you do want to address the difference between needs and desires, and are there a few desires that you can cut out out of your budget, particularly if you are in a reduced, uh, in a season of reduced earning where you need the extra money? Number nine, do you have a budget? Honestly, do you have a budget? It's kind of like asking, do you have a will? Things that we just we just don't think about. I remember w- one of the times we went to New York City and I, I asked someone, hey, have you been to the Statue of Liberty? And, and they lived in New York City been, or, or they live in one of the boroughs, Queens, I think, but they've been living there all their lives and you can see the Statue of Liberty from virtually everywhere. And they said, well, no, I've never been to see the Statue of Liberty. It's just right over there. And it's like, I'm going to get to it at some point, but it's just right over there. And that's when you talk about a budget or talk about a will. No, I don't have one, but I'm going to get to it. Well, you never get to it. Do you have a budget? If you don't, you need one. If you don't know how to make one, let's talk. Number 10, am I beholding to the prosperity gospel in any way? That is a popularized thing in our culture today. My follow-up question to you is how do you know if you are, if you're beholding, if you believe in the prosperity gospel? I imagine that most of the people who listen to to our ministry would say, no, I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. How about if you think about it this way? Do you believe in a, if I do good, God will reward me accordingly, formulaic view of the Lord? That is a better way to ask if you're beholding to the prosperity gospel, because I think if you ask most of our people, if you're beholding to the prosperity gospel, they oh no, I don't believe in that. That's heresy. That's just awful teaching. It's ruining ruining lives. Well, that's not the best question. Let me ask it as I did. Do do you believe in the, if I do good, God will reward me accordingly, formulaic view of the Lord? Now, one of the ways that you can answer this question, let's get a little more practical. You do something kind for your wife and she rejects you. You do something kind for anyone and they reject you. And you get angry in response to their rejection of you. Well, that is a tenet of the prosperity gospel. 
meaning if I do good, I will be rewarded. You cannot put God in a box. And just because you did good does not mean that you're going to get the outcome that you desired, and your reaction to the outcome will tell you if you have this formulaic view of the Lord. The question, am I beholden to the prosperity gospel? Number 11, are there other areas where I hoard or I'm greedy? You can say it like this. How does selfishness play out in my life? I talked earlier about communication, the idea of talking, especially if you are a quiet person, if you are the reserved person. There's a difference between being quiet and fear of man. Fear of man is a a sin issue. It's the non-talking person motivated by fear. The silent person doesn't necessarily have to be struggling with fear of man. They're just lazy, slothful, or selfish, or apathetic. And apathetic is not a Bible word, by the way. The Bible word for apathy is, biblically speaking, is hate. It's either love or hate. Apathetic is not love, and so it falls within the hate camp. And so if you are a quiet person, maybe you don't struggle necessarily with fear of man, and that's not the motivation for your quietness. You just choose not to speak. Well, then that is a place where you are greedy. And I'm asking here, well, the original question is, are there other areas where I hoard? You hoard your silence. You hoard your quietness. Or am I greedy? You're greedy with your words. You're not generous with your words. And so I'm asking, how does selfishness play out in your life? You do want to think of, you do want to think expansively when it comes to the question of this podcast. Again, episode 192, 16 questions to examine your generosity. The way that you examine an issue with someone is that you think in the macro and you think in the micro. You do both. And so you zero in on the actual issue in play here. We're talking about money, financial stewardship, and you want to get down into that in a microscopic way. Dig around and explore that, talking about money exclusively. But you also want to take the heightened view. You want to zoom out on that and get a macro shot of, of their entire life. And one of the ways, because if you don't see it, if you don't see what you need to see in the micro, you want to see what you need to see in the macro. And so you look at these, these other areas to see if there is a pattern of selfishness, hoarding, or greediness in the individual's life. And so rather than looking at money in the micro, you can look at communication in the macro. Or things like tech things that you enjoy. Are you addicted to technology? Now, admittedly, I struggle with this issue here. I, I love techie things. I really do. I just There's something about it that, that really just floats my boat, and I have to be very careful that I will, I will have things that, that really I don't need, and I'm spending money in ways that I, I shouldn't. But it's not just about spending money on tech things that I don't need, but it's about giving too much time to that. Hoarding time, being greedy in this one area of my life. T- uh, kids will do that with video gaming. That's hoarding. That's being greedy. That's being selfish. Or maybe uh, kids do this and adults do this too. Binge TV viewing, which we can do, by the way, now. 
we are we are way past the time where you have to wait a week to see the next episode or what of whatever it is that you enjoy and so now we have demand on demand streaming whatever it is here i'm talking about tv do you hoard are you greedy now that also becomes a hoarding with your time as well what about your eating habits that you can't eat moderate i'm sorry you won't eat moderately that you are greedy when it comes to food now perhaps you have other pet preferences other hobbies where you spend an inordinate amount of time and so i want to do the macro here with question number 11 are there other areas where i hoard or where i'm greedy how does my selfishness play out in my life because again and it's important that you do understand this is that a person who is a tightwad or a person who doesn't know how to be a business manager for God in the area of financial stewardship, you'll find inconsistencies in other areas as well. Number 12, do I spontaneously and premeditatively help others financially? There are some times where it's just boom, there's a need and and because you are walking pneumatically, because you are walking in the spirit, you see the need, and your heart is geared toward helping people because you have this gospel orientation, and so you spontaneously help in the moment. But more than that, you premeditatively help others financially. You have a long-term plan. You have, you have things that you want to do financially to help other people. So question 12, do I spontaneously and do I premeditatively help others? And then 13, now this is an important question, and there's two questions here, and it's tied to what I just asked you specifically about spontaneous giving. Do I give because of the fear of man? You know, you're sitting in the church meeting and, and somebody gets up and they have this, this, this uh, push. Uh, they're sharing their burden, whatever it may be, and other people give and you give too. That's not the spontaneous giving that I'm talking about here. That's bad, by the way, giving because of fear of man. And tied to that, my second question here in, in number 13 is, is giving, is your giving more about your reputation? That's two ways of asking the same question. A person who gives because of fear of man, a person who gives spontaneously because of the fear of man is giving because of their reputation. They're more concerned about the reputation. But people who are concerned about the reputation just do not give spontaneously. They are the ones who stand on the street corner. They are the ones that they want it to be known that this is what they do because this is their reputation. And so question 12 and 13, I want you to think collectively, put them all together. There are four questions in these two. Number 12, I ask, do I spontaneously give, help others financially? Do I premeditatively help others financially? And then number 13, do I give because of the fear of man? And then the second question, is my giving more about my reputation? Number 14, am I saving money for the future? This is important. Going back to the Joseph principle, there are seven years of, of uh, plenty, and then there are seven years of famine. One of the ways that we did this in our marriage is that in my other life, before I started doing what I have been doing now for a while, is that I worked at BMW, the automobile factory, and made a lot of money. 
made a lot of money for me anyway. <laughs> it was a lot of money for me. And I knew, that I, well, I, I sensed that God was going to put me in ministry. And ministry means no money. I mean, for most of us, that's what that means. And so I knew that I would go from making a lot of money to making very little money. And, and so what we did while we were, and also Lucia was working outside of the home at the time. And so she was working, making money. I was working at BMW. We were making a good bit of money at the time. And then her desire was to stay at home, be a stay-at-home mom, et cetera. And, and she did. When our first child was born, she became a stay-at-home mom on that day. Well, then I went into ministry, and then so we lost all of her income and lost most of, most of mine. But while we were in our season of plenty, we saved a lot of money and actually paid our house off. We paid it off shortly thereafter. And so that set us up to do ministry. We were saving when we had that season of increased income. And so whenever you can save, you want to save. You want to save all the time, minimally, as much as you can. And so am I saving money for the future? Number 15, do I use the rationale of giving my skills to others as a way to soothe my conscience so I don't have to give money to others? I talked about giving and being generous and examine your, examining your generosity by giving more than money, but then you can go to the other extreme of that by using the rationale that, well, I'm giving my skills to other people so I don't have to give my money to them. Do you do that? And then finally, question number 16, do I have pneumatic need awareness? Pneumatic need awareness. Now, what I mean by that is, can I see? Do I have peripheral vision? Can I perceive needs? And am I willing to inquire and explore because the Lord has geared my heart toward generosity? That's taken the earlier question of, do I spontaneously give? And I wanted to flesh that out with this last question. Do I have pneumatic need awareness? This is episode 192, 16 questions to examine your generosity. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.